Well, hello there. A very warm welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm Janice Forsyth. So good to be with you in a virtual sense. Yes, of course, I wish we were all in a cosy cinema together, but it's great to be able to communicate in this way. I'm so glad that so many of you are joining us uh, today for this BAFTA Scotland session for something really quite special. We're going to take a deep dive. Apologies. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I had to say that into Annika, which is the new UK TV original six part series based on the successful BBC Radio 4 drama series written by Nick Walker and starring Nicola Walker, no relation I think, uh, Nicola Walker of course acting National Treasure you'll know her from so many series including The Split and Unforgotten and Annika, really interesting, it follows the life of D.I. Annika Stanhead played of course by Nicola Walker, she's returned to Glasgow to head up the Marine Homicide Unit and she's tasked with solving all sorts of puzzling crimes and unexplained murders that wash up in Scotland's waters. Now here's the thing, we would absolutely love to hear from you wherever you are listening and you are able uh, to give us your questions. Uh, so please do that. Uh, you can do that via the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen. Uh, and uh, I'll do my best to put your questions to our esteemed panelists uh, later on. Um, closed captioning is available now and you can turn that on by pressing the CC button at the bottom of your screen. So if you're sitting comfortably, let's begin. Let's meet our fabulous panel. Executive producer, Arabella Page-Croft. Writer, Nick Walker. UK TV drama commissioner, Philippa Colley-Cousins. And cast member, hooray, Sylvie Furneaux, who plays Morgan Standhead. Poor gal, what a character. She's got so much to put up with, with that mother of hers. She's the daughter of the central character, D.I. Annika Standhead, of course, played by Nicola Walker. And here they are in all their glory. A very warm welcome, everybody. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having us. Oh, great, great to have you here. And um, so let me begin with the writer, Nick Walker. We've got to start with you. Everyone's important, but the writer's really important. Uh, and particularly with your whole backstory uh, with regard to this and this really interesting transition from radio to television. Um, so you wrote the original radio series. Um, you worked with Nicola Walker on that. I love her. She said she loves to get inside your head and you, create, you created all sorts of interesting things for her, other characters for her to encompass in the radio series too. So a few questions to ask you about that, about that, because the transition to television has taken a wee while. I mean, these things can do, but this, this one has. The setting has changed too, hasn't it, from the original radio series, which was Norway, so now we're in, in Scotland. So can you just tell us a little bit, Nick, about that process from radio, from audio to television? Yeah, no, and it's so lovely to be here. Um, uh, yeah, it was originally inspired as uh, around 2012-13, which I think was the kind of fever pitch of the Scandi Noir kind of enthusiasm. You know, there were there were Danish versions, there were sort of uh, Swedish versions coming out, and uh, and I was commissioned to write a radio version of something. I tried to find a little gap, and I don't think at the time there'd been a a sort of marine-based Norwegian uh, crime series uh, with with a with a with a heroine who uh, who wasn't quite as dark as some of the Scandinavian you know sort of heroes, but but at the same time really loved their straightforward, pragmatic way of solving crimes. And so we made just a little three-part radio series and. Because, because it sort of landed with the listeners at that time, you know, we ended up making 31 episodes over six series, which meant that by that time, uh, and Nicola was attached from the very start, 
uh, we knew exactly who this character was. And so in a way, it was really happily on the radio. You know, the audience had to use their imagination. We've got this format, which is where the detective was very intimate with the listener, spoke to us directly, um, gave us insights both into her life and also her thought process about solving the crime. And then it was just a moment when, um, because I'd already worked with Arabella from Black Camel for, for on, uh, on other things, where there was this uh, idea that it would, it would sit really happily on the television. There's a real appetite for crime drama, especially crime a week drama. So um, crime solved every week. Uh, and we had a ton of plots. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd been working with this for about eight years. There are so many crimes available to us that we could use as an inspiration for the TV show. And so we started the, the normal development process. And then it was a question of, of waiting for an, a, an imaginative, intuitive, exciting broadcaster to absolutely commit, you know, because we were trying to do something different with it in that, you know, that, that there are some sort of, you know, really serious procedurals that are there, which we all love. And I love them, too. I'm a huge crime fan. Uh, but we knew that we would we would have a slightly different tone to this, and uh, and Philippa just totally went with it. So we uh, and and from that point it became quite an accelerated process, uh, and then really creatively it was just a question of trying to work out uh, that intimacy that Annika has with her listener audience. How does that translate into the TV audience? And because I've been a fan of the breaking of the fourth wall ever since Laurel and Hardy did it, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day, uh, it felt like that was our route forward. And because um, uh, breaking the fourth wall was a sort, a sort of tr trope of drama, but not necessarily of crime fiction, we thought we could do something really exciting with uh, those two sort of donors that sort of mash it up. Uh, but then, yeah, then the, the scripts had to prove it. Yeah. So that was the process, really. We, we, we reinvented her so that we could locate it in a country that we all knew and love. But, but because there's such a very sort of close connection between Scandinavia and Scotland, I mean, it's basically the same thing for much of its history, you know, and actually some of the echoes of that Viking past really bleed through the entire series. And you'll see it in episode two, too. It felt like a really natural fit. Uh, we were asking the radio audience to imagine quite a lot of the landscape and that was a really profound thing and that's what you do as a radio listener and we really had to deliver on that for the TV audience because we wanted to have that in front of everybody's faces and Scotland gave us that enormous epic you know kind of North European sweep with these gorgeous coastal landscapes, the water is everywhere we created a new unit so that we could locate the, you know, the, the, the crime element in a watery setting. Um, and that's how, how it felt like it was, it was a natural transition. So when, when, we, when we committed to the TV, it happened very, very quickly. In fact, I think episode two happened in, re you know, the writing of the episode two script happened in record time, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it felt like such a good fit. So that, that's, you know, in broad brushstrokes, that's, that, that's how it happened. No, thank you for that. And I wonder for you, Philippa, what was it that uh, hooked you in and thought, right, okay, 
we've had something that worked well in radio. So you could see that as a potential challenge, but you're working with a terrific writer and, and a terrific um, central ca uh, character and actress portraying her. But what was it? Was it the writing? What, how much of it was this character? Because she's quite complicated, Annika, isn't she? Oh, I think you might be muted. Apologies. Yeah. Got you now. Absolutely the character of Annika. Um, I've got to confess, I decided not to listen to the radio show because I felt it would cloud my judgment. Uh, I, I could kind of like, I, I, I could see, I had some transcripts uh, transcribed for me so I could see what the quality of the writing was. But Nick and Arabella came with a script that I thought, hmm, I can really see potentials in this female character. It's lots of story of the week are quite conservative. I felt she wasn't the conservative character. She was funny. She was messy. She was irreverent. And I didn't feel, I felt lots of female detectives are very stereotyped and she really wasn't. And there was a wit plus she didn't always care about the crimes that much. And I found that hilarious. And I, I sort of like that in, in the writing that there's something real world about it and it is a mashup. Yeah. Absolutely. Arabella, that's a lot to get across though, isn't it? It's always the same, isn't it? With a first episode of anything, you've got a heck of a lot to set up with storylines and also just introducing the whole vibe of that central character. Was that quite challenging actually, given also the breaking down of the fourth wall in a police procedural of a, of, of a kind? As we say, um, viewers are now quite used to it with various TV shows that have been exploring that, but maybe not in a show like this. Yeah, I think that was always one of the real appeals of, you know, the endeavour of trying to take it from a radio show and turn it into, you know, into a show that is longer form. And, you know, we, we have talked about the breaking of the fourth wall a lot over the, the development period, but, you know, we always came back to it being really central. And, you know, that was a conceit in the radio show where, you know, uh, Annika spoke directly to us. And, and also it was only, you know, it was only her point of view in the radio show, isn't it, Nick, for about, you know, 10 minutes. So you're entirely in her head and with her. Um, and, you know, that was just, you know, it just remained kind of, to us, we knew that if we were going to do a crime of the week, that we had to do something that would push it a bit more and was going to be a bit a, a sort of fresh take on it. And, you know, and crime of the week, you know, you know, there's there's not I mean, it's interesting because internationally everybody wants crime of the week, but actually selling those in the UK, you know, can be can be really, really challenging. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as Nick said, you know, it's just fantastic that, you know, we found Philippa and Philippa completely bought into, you know, the character of Annika and, you know, all the messy, irreverent sort of, um, you know, the fantastic uh, character that Nick had created. And, you know, in terms of the pilot, it, you know, there's no doubt there is a lot of wrangling, as you say, in terms of what your setup is. But I think, you know, when I watch it now, I just think, oh, my goodness, you know, actually, it really works. The breaking of the fourth wall, you're with her really quickly, you know, and and also, you know, she's really clever and she's very literate. And you've got to kind of, you know, I think I was what we had a bit of a watch party on Tuesday and I was, you know, looking at, you know, my friends and neighbours and they're like, oh, I think we've really got to go back. We've really got to kind of get with the literary, you know, all the literary references. And I think that will, you know, it's going to be interesting for audiences to learn as well, to kind of go, oh, right, oh, it's Ibsen this week, or, you know, yeah. you know it was it was Melville this week. So, you know, Moby Dick. So I think I think that's, um, 
is going to, I hope, be really appealing um, for people. And, and you know, it's a lot, isn't it? You know, the, the challenge has been for development and for, for Nick and Nicole, who, who has been running the script teams with Nick, has been how do we get our plot into 47 minutes and invest? Because, you know, often with Crime of the Week, you know, everybody knows somebody's going to have done it. But you really, we all know that actually as the audience, you want to spend time with the characters and with the team and with the unit and, you know, with um, Morgan, Annika's daughter. So so that's, I think, one of the really big challenges that, that Nick's had um, and development have had definitely is like how, what is the, what, what, what percentage goes to the crime to the kind of characters that you, you want to hang out with, you know, and that's what, obviously we hope that everybody will come, you know, you're always going to have your whodunit, but actually, you know, what we want to create is really, hugely engaging compulsive characters that, yeah. that we spend time with and I think Nick's absolutely done that and you know, he's done it brilliantly. Well that's true even of one of the youngest members of the the cast uh, Sylvie uh, playing the uh, Annika's daughter Morgan as we said there now she she's you know typical young person with various things that, that are going on for her challenges in, in growing up but also having this mother who's dead clever and also has this dry sense of humour but she has this incredibly busy life, which means that maybe having a really good relationship with you sometimes has to go on hold, not because she doesn't want to spend time with you, but she's got a blooming murder to solve and, and so on. Tell me about just working with, with Nicola Walker, though, because I said National Treasure, it's such a cliche, but she's such a, a terrific actress. I think we all feel that we, we kind of know her and her style of acting is quite extraordinary, just as, as, which is why I think the breaking of the fourth wall with her talking to us seems so natural because she's, she just seems as if she's not acting. I know that's a crazy thing to say. So tell me about working with her and was it intimidating? Was she fun? Tell, tell us. Yeah, I think me and Nicola got on well, like immediately. I think as soon as we met each other, we just clicked. And it just felt, when we were working with each other, it didn't even feel like we were working. It just felt so like natural. And it actually didn't intimidate me at all. Like she was so like, just wanting to like, like oh hi like I think yeah I think as well because like she's got a son and it's like she's she's already a mom and like I, I was like playing her daughter and I think because we got on so well off camera it really showed when we were on camera um, and I think even the relationship between Morgan and Annika um, I can relate that with my mum so in some sort of ways Nicola would remind me of my mum which was really comforting for me as well. Um, but we got on, uh, yeah, we got on really well. And I think even subconsciously, Nicola probably taught me a lot of stuff that I can then take home with me to like another job. Um, but yeah, oh, it was it was great. And 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 your character, I mean, you she's a meaty character, isn't she? She's complicated and interesting. So was that great when you, just tell us about reading the script and, and figuring out who this girl is and how you play her. Yeah, I think, because you're saying, like, Annika's, like, messy and she's got a lot going on as well. That definitely shows in Morgan as well. And I think Morgan's a really fun character, but she's very complicated. Um, but it's, like, Morgan's just kind of herself and she kind of just, like, she's like, yeah, okay, that's my mum. She's a detective. I'm going to do my own thing. Sorry, mum, but, yeah, I'm going to do my thing. And if you can't deal with that, that's your problem. Um, but yeah, she she's going through all of this stuff uh, in like it's really awkward stage that Morgan's in because she's in her teenage years, like 14, 15. It's just it's just weird. It's like 
you can't really go out and do stuff like you can't really go and drink and stuff but at the same time you want to so and that definitely is shown uh, further down in the series yeah yeah um, and it's just like uh you're exploring like sexuality and like you're starting to fancy people um so it's just a lot going on and I think because of uh Morgan's mum's job she's constantly getting moved about the place mm -hmm. so it's like she's never in one place it's always just all oh, this is going on and even though her mum like it's kind of like yeah you've got your job and when you come home you kind of just want to like put your job to the side that's not really the case like Morgan's getting dragged into A&E at like whatever time in the morning like with her mum it's just always there which is quite stressful for Morgan yeah yeah and then uh, Annabelle I'm just wondering about just hearing there about um the sort of restrictions of being a young person reminded me of you know lockdown so I think the situation was when you were filming uh did tell us about the timing with with lockdown because that had a big impact didn't it well, um, I mean, to be honest, you know, lockdown too, you, you, as soon, I mean, Screen Scotland were amazing at lobbying the government in terms of enabling our industry to keep working. And, you know, I'm forever grateful that we were able to work during the pandemic. And, you know, I know I speak for all the cast and all the crew and everybody who was working on the production because we knew it was a, a really unique experience. It was, it was really hard. There's no doubt about it. It was, it was an incredibly tough process. But... But, you know, we were going into lockdown and but I also had I only had a window with Nicola Walker in a certain period of time. And I knew that Unforgotten had her on one side and the split had her on the other. And, you know, she's a really in demand, huge actress. And I just knew that if we did not get this series up in this window and uh, honestly, you know, she, she could have gone and done theatre, she could have done a million other things in that small window that we had, you know, it was, uh, and we just, you know, I kind of managed to wrangle the broadcasters, the co-financiers, you know, everybody in, into position and just said, look, this is it, you know, we have to go right now, otherwise we are not going to, you know, we're going to lose Nicola for the next 18 months. And everybody showed up for us and it was, that was brilliant. But obviously lockdown, you know, the actual physical production was, uh, you know, immensely challenging for sure. Yeah. And I wonder, did that mean, did that mean for you, Nick, that the did you have changes in the script and storylines to accommodate restrictions? There were a few, but those sort of restrictions weirdly are weirdly creative, you know, in that there's a particular scene, I think it was in episode one, where we had, you know, Nicola as the mum turning up to Morgan's school play and she was sat in the audience and there was a really awkward kind of moment where she's watching her daughter and the daughter sort of, you know, <laughs> sort of sabotages it completely. Um, we couldn't we couldn't have crowds. Yeah. So um, we had to find a way of putting her backstage. So there were there were a range of different really creative solutions that we had to sort of bring to both the script and the production process. But what that did was that absolutely unified the entire team. You know, we all knew that we were making a show under, you know, kind of extraordinary circumstances. We had to make it look like COVID wasn't happening because no one was interested in watching a co who is I'm not still now we just you know it has to be in the world where you know we recognize it as a sort of normal world and having to make it look like that 
created a whole range of different sort of script conditions which you can you can you can take a position on it you can either get angry about that or you can sort of embrace it and see what you can kind of make under the current circumstances and 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 that's what we ended up doing so yeah there were some huge adjustments sometimes quite late which was very difficult for everybody you know we had to just kind of um you know change locations or change the script and because of the ripple effect on such a complex project you know you make a tiny script change which here as a writer is like feels really easy to do but the repercussions are enormous for the whole production team you know doing that sort of thing um everyone everyone absolutely embraced that partly because it felt like we were one of the first sort of shows out of traps, you know, once, you know, once, once we'd managed to sort of arrange the production, you know, so that it could be done. Uh, and that we were all of us learning how to do, you know, TV production under these new circumstances, working out what the parameters were, how to do it properly, yeah. how to do it safely and still make it look brilliant and good and safe and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there were a few things like that, but I I um I learned to I learned to enjoy that. I mean, it was it, it, it it's um uh because everyone was in the same boat, weren't they? I mean, it was a mad time, and it still is a fairly mad time. Um, and 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 there's no way I was going to kind of get uh, annoyed about that because we had to we had to get this show out, and we ha uh, also there was a, a way in which sometimes those little constraints give you a better solution than the one you might have thought of in the first place. Yeah, so Arabella, so we've got Nick there, clearly a glass half full guy, but I wonder, we, we don't expect the lot of a producer to be an easy one, but it sounds, I wonder if this is one that you'll maybe look back at a few years time and think, crikey, that was challenging, but actually it's from what you guys are saying, everyone pulls together to make it happen. Well, I think, you know, there were so many, I mean, you know, there, there are certain um, things that are, easier like you know getting access to car parks that are always really hard to get back you know like we have to do a car chase in one of the episodes and we can never get an ncp car park and now you know of course it was completely empty and we could get it so so that was um yeah you know and you know trying to kind of facilitate when we were out in uh in loch lomond we had the run of all of the car parks out there so that was absolutely fantastic and um you know but but i mean you know of course you know, I, I was blessed with a, a, an amazing crew, amazing heads of departments, you know, everybody, you know, we've got extraordinarily talented, you know, crew and cast in Scotland. And, you know, every time I work with them, I just think, God, they, they are, you know, they're, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. And, you know, our, uh, you know, just, we started putting together, we had to obviously have a COVID team. We've never had a COVID department before, and we had six people in our COVID team and our nurses, uh, you know, and our sort of um, safety team was much greater than normal, you know, and you know, ultimately as a producer, you know, you're worrying about, we were really worrying about sh shutting down. We did 3000 COVID tests with the crew over the course of four months, you know, and we, you know, every day, you know, everybody was in all the gear and everyone was in the plastic visors and the masks and, you know, the COVID team were really sensitive, but there was always the kind of the, the pole, the joke of the pole, everybody having to keep the two meter distance. Yes. And it is, you know, I do look back on it and I think it was incredibly challenging, but I also think there was a kind of unification of everybody knowing that we were doing something kind of unique and special and that we were working and uh, most of our contemporaries weren't working, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the creative industries. So, you know, um, yes, definitely. I will absolutely back, look back and, and I kind of think, 
but you know also even you know in the, even our COVID supervisor I was thinking about Ben uh, Pomfret who was our COVID, COVID supervisor you know he'd come from the music um, world and he'd been the mat you know he'd been running all tours for Primal Scream and O'Reilly um, and Liam Gallagher and you know so we got all of these incredibly skilled people doing new jobs but they were brilliant uh, and you know so you know we'll kind of turn around and just think you know to be honest amazing to go into a pandemic with a film crew because they are incredibly versatile incredibly skilled and can come and come up with yeah. solutions to everything yeah very resilient it's interesting um philippa hearing there about car parks but actually i suppose when people think about this series they tend to think about the wide open spaces the scenery the water and all of that um was that for you a one of the major attractions of this series to get out there and to present the audience with those visuals? Yeah, I mean, I know Scotland very well. Um, I'm married into a Scottish family, so um, I've been the length and breadth of it. And certainly having Scotland as a character in the piece um, was very important. A, because it kind of gives you that Scandi-Noir feeling, you know, having the prophetic fallacy of the landscape, but also because, you know, Scotland is drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, you know, initially we were going to shoot around Aberdeen, and I think it was probably around about October that I phoned Arabella and I said, look, I'm totally up for us going. I'm, I'm literally going to push for this. We talked about bringing the shoot forward so we could concentrate everybody's minds. But it can't be Aberdeen. The crew is around um, Glasgow in Scotland, and I think we need to change it to Glasgow. I think that's where the Marine Homicide Unit is. And um, we need to find the most brilliant building that we can, that I don't want a police station, I want something that doesn't look like a police station. But I think from memory, because of course I couldn't travel up, that you've got amazing scenery. And Arabella immediately said, my goodness, we've got this, we've got that, we've got the other. And, and we sort of started finding, you know, our locations and we were, you know, blessed really that um, in a lockdown world, I guess, you know, we, we could get to astonishing places that looked very different over six episodes. Yeah. And um, I wonder, I was just going to ask Sil Sylvie if you had any particular escapades in the water, because we do see you. It's part of the reason your character's fed up. I mean, she's been transplanted and she's got to get a boat and all the rest of it. But do, were, there, were there any exciting moments uh, on, on the waters for you? The water? Um... Yeah, maybe one time when one of the ribs that like, because obviously the crew couldn't fit on the boat with us as well. So they're on a rib like following us behind mm -hmm. and the engine just went kaput. And it was an absolutely freezing cold day. I mean, one of the days I had like four pairs of trousers on and I was walking about like a penguin. And I was like, I actually need to take one of these pairs off. I don't even care that it's freezing anymore. I was like, I actually can't even walk. But um, like, yeah, and it was a freezing cold day it was a long day and then the, the rib just broke down. And I was, I was just there, I, honestly, I was looking at Phil, the director, and I was just like, I was like, mate. <laughs> and we were just, oh, it just got hysterical. Yeah, but that was funny. Um, but I think, yeah, being on the water was fun. I always liked when I like seen that I was about to go onto one of the boats and stuff. I wish I had more time on the boats actually. I wish I'd got to go on one of the ribs because that went really fast and I was on the little, the, the little mean mare boat. Yeah, on the old one. Yeah. 
but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, Jim, Jamie Sivis, of course, is a kind of has a kind of well, it's an interesting relationship with the main character uh, of Annika because basically she's got his job that he thought that he was a, a shoe in for. But I think I read somewhere him saying you know, he's Scottish. Of course, he's been jumped in loss <laughs> in his times because he's obviously playing playing a diver. But was was that? Um, uh, I, I'm talking about the, the scenery being marvelous. But Arabella was all of that actually. I mean, it's complicated, isn't it? Once you're you're talking about any kind of transportation and water and safety and all the rest of it. Was that another layer for you of, of um, producerial anxiety or not? Well, I think I think as a you know as a producer with every project you know you know whether it's you're making a musical going how we're going to kind of shut down Princess Street and fill it with you know 500 people singing and dancing or you're turning around going oh it's a period horror film we've got to do zombies over here you know you kind of go right how are we going to how are we going to solve this issue and we've never done water or boats before as a production company and you know we we. Um, well, first of all, Nicola got her powerboat license, you know, that was real. And um, Jamie Sivis got his powerboat license, and I got my powerboat license, and Kieran, who's the series producer, got his powerboat license. So we all got, you know, trained up to be able to drive the ribs, which was, um, you know, has, and I think Nicola said, but if I think her, you know, she described it as, you know, she said, it's just so fantastic. She said, normally as an actress, you get really infantilized and, you know, you're not allowed to do anything as an actor when you're around, you know, everybody's shepherding, shepherding all these assistant directors. And, you know, her and Jamie were driving those boats. You know, they were up and down the Clyde. They were up and down Loch Lomond. You know, they absolutely had a fantastic time. And so I think, I think, um, and that was really, you know, that's really empowering for everybody to be able to go out and get a new skill, you know, uh, in midlife. It was fantastic. And um, so that was that was definitely new and learning. And, you know, we work with a great company called UNC in Rue Marina and Ewan and Tom trained us up and they provided the Mustang and the Orca and managed the boats um, during all of the shooting on the boats, you know, and, and you know, and Sylvie's absolutely right. It was so cold, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, it looks beautiful on screen because we had those amazing blue skies and, you know, we had those wonderful aerial shots. We've got lots of lovely aerial photography in it, but it was so cold, so, so cold. So, um, you know, if we ever get to make season two, I'm sure everybody might be asking for a different season. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And I'm interested, Philippa, in the relationship with UK TV drama and the production company and, and just the, the whole process when it comes to casting and everything else. How kind of hands-on are you and your team? Um, pretty hands-on. Uh, as far as the HODs and the cast were concerned, like Arabella and I um, and Nick and Nicole were, worked really really closely and I think I was aware how much of a challenge it was going to be um, for everybody and so we were really kind of scrupulous about choosing the cast you know the, the in front of camera team that they'd be team players and and hopefully they'd get on but also the HODs that they were absolutely at the top of their game and had the bandwidth to be resourceful because we knew that um, all sorts of, um, you know, kind of problems and, and we needed solution focused people. So I think Arabella probably, um, I don't know, you know, I, I certainly was very happy with where we ended up, but we did it very thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, we had we had relationships with some of the heads of departments, um, definitely who we've worked with over the years. And 
and, but it's always nice to work with some new people as well, you know, and, and Catherine, who uh, ended up being our costume designer, you know, she was absolutely fantastic. You know, so, it, you know, it is, a, it, is a, it is a pleasure to find new people as well. I hadn't worked with Dave Arrowsmith, who was our production designer. And that, you know, that was a lovely process, wasn't it, Philippa, when we were working on the mood book and we were, you know, we were going through how we wanted the show to look and we wanted it to be Scandi. And actually, we've got an American partner in Masterpiece Television. And, and she'd said to me and Philippa, I don't want a great show. I don't, you know, I don't want Grey Scotland. And we were like, no, we promise you, it's not going to be a great show. So we really worked at, you know, in the interiors and the pops of colour everywhere. And, the, you know, if you look at Katie, um, Katie Lung and, and, you know, who plays Blair, she's got some lovely colours and Nicola's got some gorgeous, you know, beautiful colours and materials in her costumes and, and you know the reds in the in the police station and the the blue in you know Sylvie your house you know where you and um, Annika live so you know that that all that stuff was really really thought out with the designer at a very 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 early stage wasn't it Philippa before you know before they'd even kind of collect, collected the department you know we were, we were there and I asked them to push it because I wanted it to look as beautiful and modern and also progressive as it possibly could do. And the genius, I think, was that um, the guys bought um, a drone and Phil, the first block director, said, right, we're going out tomorrow. It was even before shooting started because look at the amazing colours around here. So they all kind of trooped off on a weekend to do drone shots and boat shots. And I think that the fact that they had come from um, filmmaking was something that was really reassuring to me because I just felt that they would be on it and they wouldn't be gated into, you know, kind of like factory thinking maybe about producing television. And it was great to hear that off they were going as a weekend jaunt. And, you know, those images were amazing. They, they were beautiful. And I knew that our American partners might, um, obsess about Scottish accents that they couldn't understand. So oh, we needed to distract them with the scenery. Um, <laughs> actually, I think, I think what's great globally is that people can take an accent these days, you know? And um, I, I kind of love that so that you can be, you know, show an authentic Scotland um, without having to, you know, make it very Edinburgh RP or something like that and we've got a range of accents in the show that I love. Yeah I can hear I can hear a distant cheer uh, amongst the the Scots uh, watch, watching this session <laughs> and Sylvie I'm thinking there'd be a few people who'd be really interested in your journey into acting so talk to a wee bit about you plunged into this and, and working with Nicola Walker and actually maybe sort of subconsciously learning from her but tell us a little bit about about your acting journey Sorry about that. Um, so I started um, with youth theatre, with Strangetown Youth Theatre, and then I joined the agency when I was, so I started when I was seven, and then I joined the agency when I was eight, and I had like auditions, I had like the odd small job here and there, whatever, and then, um, and then my first like series was Annika, um and obviously we had like the audition process it was like a different audition process because of covid mm -hmm. um which was like it was a bit it was a bit strange um because everything was on zoom and it was like 
I mean, I suppose like we had had a while of Zoom because it was 2020, um, but it was still kind of getting used to that sort of thing room with like someone which is like strange but um yeah we had the audition process which um was yeah a procedure um we had like obviously I sent off my tapes and stuff um and then we had zoom stuff and I had my chemistry read with Nicola on zoom which was yeah that I think that was probably the weirdest part because obviously it's hard to like see if you've got chemistry with someone through a screen but I think when we, as soon as like we were doing it, it was like fine and you could, I could, I like, I felt really comfortable with Nicola. Yeah. Um, and you could tell that we were both just like, oh, we just want to be in the room with each other. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And then, yeah, that's. That, well, that must be lovely actually when that, when that happens, as you see, that you want to just be in the room, but you can't. But obviously there was something that was very apparent to everybody there that you two worked. And I wonder for you, Nick, what's it like? I mean, maybe you're used to this as a writer, but is it still lovely uh, to see your characters eventually come come to life on the screen and also through that interesting casting process, see that all important chemistry work with key key relationships on screen? Yeah, because as a writer, you you sort of make a proposition, if you like, which is that the characters could be like this and they'll be like that. And and you put all the beats in and you make all the emotional moments and then the real people come in and they just find, you know, a hundred more layers to it. And I think that one of the most moving things about this, not only, you know, it's obviously we establish it in the first series, but the whole thing, the whole, the, the whole series really is, is root is really rooted in Annika and Morgan's relationship. And that had to be absolutely perfect. And, you know, I was so delighted that, you know that 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 as we see it progress you know it's quite prickly at the start you know just because we're establishing this whole thing but how it evolves and matures and also this sort of really lovely maturing of uh the you know the you know the performers relationship that they grew but also how that kind of weirdly mirrored what we were also trying to do with the series that made it really sort of deep and emotional and and real um, was such a such a brilliant thing and also you know you create something that you haven't you don't know what you've written Philip always used to say this you don't necessarily know what you've written until the people come in yeah. and then you know Sylvie comes in Nicola comes in and they go and it's like all oh, right the thing's that isn't it and that's just such a joyous and beautiful part of you know making a television series that you know you think it's all planned out but actually 90% of it's planned out but 10% is just there in the room while they're filming it. And that's what, you know, that's what lifts it. And um, yeah, so I, I've obsessively watched it. I think I've watched the, I, it almost feels like I watched the entire series every other day, just because <laughs> I just love the dynamic between, you know, Annika and Morgan and how, and how it evolves throughout it. And by the end of it, I totally, I, I buy it so comprehensively. And, you know, Sylvie and, and Nicola do such a gorgeous job of this particular relationship that is much more than anything I could have written. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not there on the page. It's there in the whole production. And I think that's the beautiful thing about television, really. Yeah. And I just wonder for you, Sylvie, hearing that, uh, there, there we go with the writer obsessively watching the show. But what about you? I presume you've seen how many episodes have you have you seen, and and what's it like seeing it? As we say, there's that magical alchemy that happens when it's all 
that that the group production coming together and creating something really special yeah i think because when obviously when you're doing it you don't really actually realize what you're doing but like obviously you know what you're doing but like you if you do watch something back you'll see things that you didn't even realize that you've done um i mean it's weird watching yourself and i don't necessarily like watching myself but like i do like the relationship between morgan and annika um and it's funny uh, after the first episode my mom texted me and she was like she was like oh my god it's just like watching me and you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah she was like yeah so she was like that relationship is very believable because yeah you can yeah. But, um but yeah I and that, that's the thing because we've got not one but two I mean there are, obviously there's a real mix of characters throughout the series but to have these two central characters of mother and daughter who are, who are complex as, as humans are and as, and as women are uh, and interesting and intelligent I'm presuming um, for you Philippa and Arabella that was another big attraction of this it's not easy Arabella to kind of um, pigeonhole Annika herself as that central character at all really she's 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 complex I think she is complex, but I also th I think, you know, women watching her are going to really relate to that. And I think especially if you're a working mum, you know, you're, you're, you know, I mean, Nick and I kind of worked over the years on kind of complex mother figures. I and mean, I think, you know, I've always had that. I've always kind of worked myself and, and, and you know, we were always having that d debate about, you know, because actually originally Annika was, she's of course in the radio show, she's the mother of a son, a young son, and he grows up from, you know, a baby all the way through the radio series. And I can't remember Nick, why we decided to make the, the to, to change, um, but I think probably, you know, it was you having a daughter going through teenagers and me having a daughter coming up to being a teen. And we, we, we sort of made that leap into, um, changing her for changing you know the son character um, for a daughter uh, and it's it just I don't know just for me I think it's I think watching the pair of them is so real I'm currently the mother of a 14 year old and a 16 year old I mean obviously I'm always going to be their mother but as a 14 <laughs> they're at exactly that age that Sylvie's playing and I, I agree with your mum Sylvie it is like watching you know a kind of mum and daughter a, a really truthful relationship and that's a testimony to your performance and Nick's writing and you know I hope hope Everybody feels that we've captured that really well. And Sylvie, yeah. presumably you're very glad that they changed it from the son to the daughter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually, I was like talking, I was talking about this um, and I, I don't I mean, this probably isn't even the reason why I changed it, but I think it, it works because it's just um, Morgan and Annika and because like the dad isn't there, it's just the relationship between two females. I think especially the, the such like the time of, the situation that Morgan is in at that age I don't yeah. know if it's to do with like the hormones and the because you're so close you just clash but like you still love each other and that is like that is obviously shown um but I think it just works really well that they're both females um because it's just it's just it's like it's and it's yeah it's just it's real I don't know if I just I don't know because I've not like got a brother or anything I don't know if um, sons argue with their mum as much as a daughter does, but I just know that daughter and mother argue a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just thinking about the the other characters, because clearly, Dave, uh, Nick, we're talking about this uh, as a, a you know a, a police drama, uh, and you've got Annika investigating these various uh, crimes. Were you able? And again, I'm thinking about the potential restrictions of, of COVID and whether this had an impact on it or not. Had you sort of was it 
had you planned out a complete sort of story arc and episodes and everything else in great detail? Did much of that have to be changed because of the conditions that you were filming under, or did you did you had you all agreed on what this this shape and the feel of this series would be? Yeah, once once we went, we knew where we were going, and really the COVID was only just about minor practical adjustments. You know, we we had to get the story right. We wanted the big arc. You know, uh, I mean, we've set it all up in one, but there are some big emotional arcs that we play out and they've been solid from day one and we've been able to do those which has been fantastic so um yeah so 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 really i think as we've all been learning to live with the new sort of reality of the last couple of years we were able to kind of keep what we the the vision of the entire thing we wanted an enormous we wanted an enormous hook at the end, so I'm not going to talk about that, but it's just like, it's a kind of, uh, es- essentially, we, we wanted the, the, the impact of those crime hooks, if you like. So we've got crime a week, but we wanted the impact of the crime hooks to be located in the, in the domestic and emotional stories of the people, yeah. so that we get satisfaction on the whodunit every week. That's how we've structured it. But we also have some open questions about the kind of the lives of the people who solve these crimes, because that's what we went into this series about, which is that, yeah, people get murdered and they need that's an interesting thing to solve. And there's a puzzle there and it's all about the puzzle. But we've we've set up these kind of domestic emotional arcs, which we want to pay off in the same way that other crime series pay off the crime you know, puzzle. Do you know what I mean? And we wanted that to be just as satisfying. And actually all of that was totally achievable under the COVID situation. So I'm I'm absolutely <laughs> I mean, I'm just obsessed with my own series. I mean you shouldn't say it, but I just totally am. It's the thing I would what I would binge like a <laughs> madman. And so um, you know, and I hope I hope that's the I hope that's the trick we've pulled pulled off, really, that crimes happen every single week and they're all different but we're also kind of investing in the same sort of way in the who done it, how done it, why done it yeah. with the with the domestic stories that we play out over the series. Before we go to uh, our audience questions, uh, I think one thing maybe I haven't emphasised enough is obviously Annika, she's smart, she's complex, all of that, but she's funny. There's this uh, dry humour running through it. And I wonder for you, Philippa, was that another, we keep using the maritime metaphors actually, was that another hook for you? Mm-hmm. Yes, it certainly was another hook for me, Janice, because I don't think we see enough amusing women on TV. I, you know, I spend a lot of evenings with very amusing women, laughing <laughs> my head off, but I don't think we often see them in on TV, and we definitely don't see them in drama. So I think kind of like the mashup between the clever comedy and, as Nick said, the crime panel pu- puzzles with Nicola Walker on top and a daughter that not only looks like her, but I've got to say to Sylvie, you exceeded our expectations. You know, we, we've got we've got a, a sort of kernel of something that I think people will take to. I'm sh- sure that's the case. Right, let me, I don't want to do a disservice to our people who are sending in questions. I don't want to run out of time. So if you're ready, here we go uh, with someone, uh, I don't know the name. Uh, and this is a question for you, Nick. Um, how do you decide on the literary references? So maybe you could just explain, we, we had a little reference to that at the, at, when we began, but maybe you could explain that a little bit more. 
Well, what we were looking for in this series was a sort of a set of crimes that were kind of borderline poetic. Do you know what I mean? There's there's some there's an element to it which is not just about the body washed up on shore or some sort of brutal murder. There was something kind of iconic about how it happens, and we started boldly with the harpoon, and that's the thing that sparks off the little reverie that Annika then goes on, which either helps or contributes or, so, you know, or solves or sort of helps solve the crime or gives a context for the crime. So um, the way we decide it was that we start with the body. We start with the body, like all good crime dramas do, start with the body and have a kind of intrigue, moment, picture, portrait image of how that body died and, and it asks a question and then Annika responds to it in a particular sort of way either literary or historical or with a character from you know or you know or you know uh, you know or something about navigation or whatever it is uh, but it's something about how the body's discovered which sparks off a whole kind of little thing which she gives us her insight into so she doesn't share it with the team she said she shares it with us it's privileged information is what she does and that's that's how we designed it so um that, that that's always how we start get a body get something get them dead in an interesting way and then let that let Annika kind of think this is a bit like that isn't it yeah and then share her thought process with us as audience and us alone. And then, so we are her Cagney to her lazy. Do you know what I mean? We are her crime buddy. She, she, she obviously shares important information with the rest of the team, but we wanted to make the audience part of that, you know, sort of really privileged crime team. And, and, and that's why we've chosen those sort of literary historical reference points because we get that and the rest of the team don't yeah. you know and that's and that and that's how we we make the audience part of the solving of the crime in a slightly different sort of way that's that that's the idea anyway yeah. but that's how it comes about and uh, Arabella we know that Nicola Walker's a consummate actor but how was it for her initially uh, in this kind of tv series breaking the fourth wall and telling us that the viewers what she's thinking and her literary references and so on how was it for her initially well, I mean, I think that's a really good question, and and I I don't know if all actors can do it, but you know, we did a little uh, a little test. She wanted to do a wee test, or, or Phil, the director. Anyway, between the pair of them, they said, "Oh, we want to go and do a wee test." So they went off, and you know, we, they just did it on the phone, and we watched it on the phone, and went, "Oh, well, that works," you know. And it was just like you know, it was just around the office, and we thought, "All oh, right, okay, we've got it." And I think you know, I really like that as a stylistic choice. You know, doing a lot of the you know, because you have cinematic Scotland, but you also have this sort of intimate portrayal. And I think, you know, she's so, she's such a consummate, brilliant actress and every little nuance is played out. And you're like, oh my God, yes, I know, I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly, you know, where you are and we're with her in all of those sort of micro details, I think completely. And I think she, she, said, she said recently, she's on the split filming at the moment and she said she keeps wanting to look down the lens and sort of like talk furtively to the viewer. And she said it's quite hard to kind of pull herself back. I think she's really enjoyed it. And I think, yeah. you know, to go back to, to, you know, she's, 
but you know she's got this wonderful smile that we haven't seen through many of her dramas and I just remember looking at it thinking oh God, Nick, we've got to get more of that laugh we need that you know that absolutely gorgeous sort of joy that she does yeah. um and that she's got so um, yeah she's so her face is so expressive I'm just wondering Sylvie did you ever think right I want to try this and have a wee go at talking straight down the camera well, Nicholas does it really well <laughs> and I I it's kind of I don't know I think I'd find it a bit weird because it's like you're always told not to look down the camera <laughs> and then suddenly like you are but I think Nicola does it like really well yeah <laughs> like I just don't think I could I don't know I think I think if I was like obviously you'd get used to it but your eyes would just be going like I think my eyes would be going like that and it's like no just look down the lens I, th I think if the script demanded it Sylvie you're more than able to rise to the occasion of anything yeah, but quite, I wasn't, quite frankly I wasn't jealous of her doing that <laughs> fine and <laughs> um, Let's go to another question, uh, which is uh, so straight to the point. Will there be a second series? And if so, what will differ when out of lockdown? Who wants to answer that one? Any Ask, the Ask the commissioner. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that, that's something at this point that it's impossible to say. Um, but I think it's really encouraging to have the first episode go out and have such extraordinary press and extraordinary high number of viewers. Um, and uh, I, I certainly kind of like can see that a second series would work incredibly well and I think there's a lot to explore and brilliant characters to get back but I think at this point we just don't quite know. Sure, okay, thank you. Um, we have um, another person who's asking, now you, you knew it'd be Nicola as Annika at the start, but were there other characters who you knew who you wanted to cast for those from the beginning? I don't think we did actually. Uh, Jamie, Sillis, uh, I, I think actually he was, Phil, Phil had worked with Jamie Sillis uh, before. Um, and so he was very much Phil's, Phil was the director of the first block. Um, he was, uh, and it, it just felt right very quickly. I think, you know, when when kind of Phil went, oh, actually, I really see Jamie. I think we just kind of went, oh, yeah, that that completely makes sense. And then, you know, of course, they've got this this great relationship, because as we've learned in the first episode, you know, there is a bit of a backstory there. So so I mean, that really worked. And then um, I should say that Dan, cast, uh, Dan um, Jackson and Ross cast it from Callie and Crawford Casting and they're mm. fantastic casting directors, really, really did a brilliant job. And then, you know, Katie Lung obviously was very, um, we were really keen to get, I think she was quite sort of, you know, a, a strong idea early on, wasn't she? And then Ukwele, we didn't, we didn't know Ukwele, he came through all the casting process, obviously we've talked about sort of Sylvie's casting process, um, you, Ukwele went through all the auditions and we saw lots and lots of people for him. Um, and then similarly, you know, obviously we've got um, Paul McGann coming in in, um, uh, in a couple of episodes time. And that was, I mean, I, Nicola actually, I think, cried when I told her we'd cast Paul McGann because, uh, you know, they've been doing the audio series of Doctor Who together. So she was just, she was so pleased. Um, and that's a really great sort of magnetic relationship as well, which is going to emerge, you know, through the series. So oh, excellent. Keep watching, keep watching. Oh, yeah, you're whetting everyone's appetite with, with that nugget. Um, we have another one. Uh, thanks for a very, this is from Beverly. Thanks for a very informative uh, session. Question for Arabella. Sounds like there were lots of challenges uh, which you overcame when pulling together this production. Did you learn anything new which you'll take forward and implement in any future projects so sort of any takeaway points for aspiring producers who might be watching 
Um, oh, thanks. Well, it's my first drama series, so I've learned so much. You know, we've made lots of films in lots of different ways. You know, we've been co-producers, associate producers, originating producers, line producers, you know, been produced many different ways. And I think, you know, lots of Scottish producers will know that often to make a living in Scotland, you do have to be really, really versatile as a producer. But I think, you know, to to get our first drama series has been incredibly rewarding. Um, I, I mean, it, it's not different from film producing. It's just much bigger, much longer. You know, we were shooting for 16, 15, 16 weeks, you know, and I think, you know, it's just kind of, you need the, sorry, my dog is making a lot of noise, drink its water. <laughs> but, you know, you need stamina. I mean, you always need stamina, I think, working in, in our industry. But I think that has been, you know, that has been um, a real process and also, I think, you know, one of the things my learning also is that, you know, Nick and Nicole were running the script, the, the scripts, and I kind of was like, oh, my God, that's go going on over there. And I've got to do all of this because the pandemic was going on and we were doing a lot of physical production as well. So, you know, um, you know, I, I, th I think I've, my takeaway is that I love being a creative producer and, you know, want to kind of make sure, you know, not just physical production and like being at the heart of, um, you know, working with Nick and working with a creative team as well. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'm really struck by, by what you're all talking about in terms of the experiences, you know, we've, we've, those of us who love theatre have really missed theatre productions. Now, it's all sort of coming back a little, but I think that same sort of team ethos of um, theatre at its best is absolutely the same when it comes to film and television, whether that's, you know, the crew, the actors and everybody else coming together and you describing the rising to the challenge of lockdown and filming on the water and all the rest of that. I mean, that that gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling, and I'm sure it does to other people, because that's the reality of, of working together in those kind of production teams. It's blooming hard work, but mm. um, the, the dynamics that, and relationships that can be created can be there for life, actually. Every time I would drive down to the Beacon, which is where we, you know, we converted the police station, and I would, you know, and you'd come down and you see Scotland, you know, the, all the mountains behind um, the Clyde Estuary, and, I, you know, I drive down and you see this huge unit there when you arrive with all the Winnebagos and the actors in there, you know, um, getting ready in, in, you know, in their kind of caravans and everything. And I would just have this sense of, and I know, you know, it's transient. And I think as a producer, that's what is really special as well, because it's really, it's hard work to get these shows up. It's taken a long time to get this show on. And you, you know, and you have, it is like a traveling circus and you get incredibly close to everybody, the actors and the, and you know, the crew. And that is everybody from the runners through to the producers, to the security guards, you know, you're chatting away to everybody all the time. And, you know, I just, you know, I like, I, you know, Kieran and I really like being hands-on and present and, you know, being absolutely in the thick of the action. So, you know, we, I mean, we just love it. Anyway, and then, of course, it goes away and, you know, you just, I remember standing there on the last day going, oh, my God, they've all gone. <laughs> it's really emotional. It's hard. It's hard it'll, be fine. it'll be fine for Nick Walker because he'll just be dreaming it. Uh, he's so obsessed. He'll, he'll be reliving every single scenario. Uh, a couple of, of final questions. Um, uh, someone saying, I, I fell in love with Annika on the radio during lockdown. It's been a really comforting companion on my walks. So thank you for making the transition to television so well. Are there any elements, though, of the original that you'd have liked to bring to the TV but couldn't? Wow, what a question. That's terrific. I mean, they're very different forms, aren't they? So what, what works well on the radio, you need to definitely reinvent. I mean, I think... What we found during lockdown was that the restrictions meant that if you suddenly wanted to do an extraordinary stunt, which you can do without thinking on the radio, 
I mean, you just need to write it and it's absolutely easy as pie. Whereas you can put something in the TV thing and it's like, you know, have you any idea of the implications of writing this bit of dialogue, <laughs> you know? And, and so to some extent, if there was a fantasy version of the TV, it's that the, all the liberation that you get on the radio where you can actually put it anywhere do anything and it has zero cost implications you'd sort of you sort of want that for you sort of want that for tv too um uh yeah so that's probably the only thing but essentially you know it's all about the it's all about the story and the relationships and those two are so completely common and harmonious between both radio and television that there were no there were no real regrets great Final question, which I might ask you all for a quick answer to. Um, what was your favourite location uh, to film in? So, Sylvie, did you have a favourite location? Uh, I really enjoyed filming in um, Annika Morgan's house. It was a really incredible house, and we had like the most. We had like the most amazing view onto Loch Lomond, and yeah, it was a beautiful house. And there's a lot of nice scenes between um morgan and annika in that house so yeah oh, there. that's lovely that's a lovely answer um arabella I, I i love the police station i love annika's house as well i think that was a real great find and you know hats off to ed smith location manager who found that and and, and both of them actually because he found you know the beacon and i think you know, the, the vision of kind of coming up with the beacon and converting that into the police station, which is sort of very Michael Mann-esque vision of, you know, this beautiful glass overlooking um, the water. And, you know, every time, you know, we went in and I, I think, you know, Nicola and all the cast, when they walked into the police station for the first time, just kind of went, oh, you know, they just couldn't believe that we'd managed to achieve that. And, and I think, um, you know, I think that ambition of trying to kind of make somewhere, make it feel really cinematic, I feel that the production design and the art department did a brilliant job of that. Really, yeah. really great. Um, Philippa, did you manage to get out on location with filming? Or were you in charge from afar? Uh, no, in charge from afar. I couldn't take them COVID. Um, but yeah. the, the location that um, I'm so pleased that we got, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but mm -hmm. it's in episode six. And I said to them, please, we really need the biggest ending we can have. And I really don't think they disappointed me. And they were incredibly resourceful at pulling it off. Very good answer. Keep hooking in the audience. Okay, okay. I love you, what you're doing there. <laughs> uh, just, just finally, Nick Walker, favourite location? Well, I can't top that, but I'm just going to go for a little tiny intimate one, a little plug for the really beautiful perfectly pitched uh, um uh scenes that nicola has in her car which is like a little vintage saab that we saw just because it's a kind of little character thing and there are a few little beautiful moments that she has around that car which is both about her and the relationship that she has with her team that I think are absolutely sort of spot on. They're so moving and I watch them over and over again. <laughs> That's not like you, Nick. We've, we've come to know what, <laughs> how, how your brain ticks. Thank you so much. It's been a, a sheer joy for me and I hope for everybody uh, watching and listening online to get such brilliant insights into this series. Thank you all so, so much. Sylvie, Arabella, Philippa uh, and Nick, thank you very much indeed. Very best of luck. Uh, continued success to the show and Annika continues on Alibi on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock from all of us. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone out there.
Thanks for joining us and remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.